0: And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can be seated, our kids can go to their classes, if you will, You're yeah, I'm glad that you're here, so, you know, I was just thinking of that as we were, thank you, thank you worship team, thank you guys, that was great. And I already broke it, look at that. And it was great. I don't know if you I don't know if you heard but Carlos, I liked the, the the I could hear some of those notes. That was kind of fun. That was nice. I liked that. I could never play like that, but it's fun to hear somebody else play like that. You know, I was thinking as we were singing about God's faithfulness just now that God's faithfulness is clearer in hindsight than it is in the moment. Isn't it? Like when you're going through something, you typically don't see God's faithfulness. It's not usually until after I've gone through it, and then I look back on it, that I can say, oh, God was faithful. I was just thinking that. I don't know why that hit me as we were singing, Like. I know I've, I've always said one of these days I I, I pray that I get to live to a hundred because I I do want to preach on my hundredth birthday, you know to the to the three people in the nursing home, you know that kind of thing. I figure that's but but when that, on that day I I want to I think that the sermon is going to be on God's faithfulness. I think I mean that's still a little ways away yet for me, but. I think it's going to be on God's faithfulness, and because I think God's faithfulness is the kind of thing that uh, faithfulness was a great idea, and I certainly appreciate it. More experiences to say, yeah, God's faithful, and I'm sure that someday when I'm 100, and I get to preach on my 100th birthday, and I look back, man, God's faithfulness is going to be the theme throughout that century, so that's not even the sermon. Another point that I need to make this not even the sermon is this, that yesterday I was on my walk and talking with the Lord and I had this thought, and I'll just share this. Maybe this is somebody here. Good people resist God more than bad people do. So what I mean by that is somebody who's bad, they know they're bad. They know they need God. It's the good person that doesn't think they need God, that actually resists God. So that's why that statement, good people resist God more than bad people do. And that's not the sermon either. This morning, I want to talk about love, so radical love. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, it's very near the back of your Bible, but we're going to start there. You know, I used to think that love was kind of a girl's topic, it's the kind of stuff that chick flicks and romance novels are made out of and that it was really something that women talked about. But then two years ago at our annual men's retreat at our church, Pastor Weston Brooks from River of Life Church, our good friend in Thailand, there, he, he, did, he did the whole retreat on love. And I tell you what, I never saw it before, it changed my opinion forever on the subject Of love. I discovered it takes a real man to love really well. Love is not for girls. It's a manly topic. And uh, you've got to be bold, you've got to be courageous, because real love is a radical challenge to lay down my very life in service to someone else. Look at this definition of real love. I thought this was great. Real love is the radical commitment to the advancement and well-being of another. The radical commitment to the advancement and well-being of another. See, love is not candlelit dinners and walks on the beach at sunset. That is romance. And romance is nice, but that's not love. Love is is living to benefit somebody else, even if it means a great personal cost to myself. And so kudos to you in a practical example. This month, New River Fest, we've, we love Manchester, right? And so that bears out in practical ways, whether it's an ice cream cone or a water bottle, doing some basketball for kids, demonstrating love to try to bring you know, some encouragement, some hope into this community, it's love. Love is very practical. It's a verb. It's not a noun. So there's no greater lover in the universe than God. In fact, you and I would not even have love if it were not for God. Look at what First John chapter 4 verses 7 to 10 says. It says, dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I love that. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You understand, he has the more difficult task in this relationship. Right? (laughs) As we will see as we go forward. So, you see, technically speaking, we don't say, I love you to God. Technically, we say, I love you too. Because God loves first Our love is a response to him, right? So any time that we lay down our lives to benefit someone, to serve someone else, we're reflecting God's love. And that's not a love that's born out of human nature. That's a love that's born out of God's nature. Because if it's left up to you and me, we don't love like that. It's important for us to know this morning how much God loves you, friends. I, I'm overwhelmed this morning because I feel the weight of this task, and I don't normally feel. I mean, I, I do feel. I don't. I don't want you to think that, but I feel it especially heavy this morning. The task to express God's love to you. Um, how can I, in human words? even begin to express the greatness and the depth of God's love for us that we can understand and that we can appreciate. So would you just pray with me one more time because I feel like I just have to pray. God, there's no way I can do this in my own language. I just don't have it. I don't have the words. Lord, how can we express your love? It's a... It's so huge, it's so awesome that, Lord, words fall short. And so what I'm asking for, God, is that you in this moment would, would just take over. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would move and that you would speak in our hearts and that you would go beyond our mind, go beyond our brains and our ability to process this. And I pray, God, I invite you, God, to you work in us, we pray. And Lord, that when we leave this place today, we would say, wow, I don't know that I understand it anymore, but I sure did experience it today. I pray that, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. So I want to look. There's seven things about God's love. Sorry about that. A cuticle. That's awful. You know how that bothers you? I got this... I'll have to get that later. Okay, so there's seven things about God's love that we need to, I need to tell you about today. We've got to talk about. The first one is this. God has always loved you. Everybody say that with me. God has always loved you. God has always loved you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. You see it there. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his kids. God loved you before there ever was a you. Isn't that amazing. You know, when I tell my sweet wife, right, that I've always loved her, what that means is that, you know, for the last 30 years since we fell in love, I've loved her. The truth is, you know, I was 22, 21, 22 when we first met. Honestly, I didn't love her for the first 22 years of my life, right? I didn't know her. So when I tell her that I've always loved her, it I mean, it's a nice thought, but technically, I haven't always loved her. Does that make sense? But but I mean, she knows what I mean. It's warm and fuzzy, and it feels good. I've always loved you, sweetie. But when God says that I've always loved you, that's saying something, because He's forever. He's eternal. Does that make sense? And when God says that I, in love, I predestined you to be mine, it means that before there was history, before there were planets in the sky, before there were galaxies in the universe, before there was time, that God saw you and his heart throbbed with affection for you, even though he didn't, even though you didn't even exist. God has always loved you. You, amazing and since God has always loved you the second thing is that God's love is given it's never earned you didn't do anything to deserve God's love because remember God loved you before you were you God loved you before you could do anything worthy of his love so God's love for you is not contingent on your behavior Or my behavior. God has always loved you. His love is not earned. His love is given. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. It says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The word lavished there, it means to bestow a great gift upon La- when you lavish something like you're lavishing something good i don't lavish brussels sprouts on somebody you know oh i just lavish you with brussels sprouts that's not a, that's not something you lavish i lavish a million dollars on you i lavish a pile of diamonds on you i la- you know i lavish you with something really good the point is it's a it's a it's a magnificent gift that gets bestowed upon somebody. And so God's love for you and me is that gift. It's, he's lavished it upon us. You see, God doesn't love you. Uh, you're, you're not gonna like this. God does not love you because you're so lovable. God, see that's how we love. We love because somebody is lovable. Our love is a reaction. Right? If you're nice to me, then I can love you. If I'm attracted to you in some way, then I can love you. If you and I are clicking, well, then I can love you. My love is a reaction to you. True? But that's not how God loves. Remember, God loved you before you were you. So his love is not a reaction to your behavior, God's love is given. Follow? He loves you because he's a great lover. In fact, your love is always the reflection of the lover and not the one being loved. The way that you love is always a reflection of the one loving and not a reflection of the character of the one being loved. So if somebody says to you, I just don't love you anymore. That's an indictment on their character, not yours. The truth is, the worse someone is, the better your love looks. And that's not a justification for being a jerk, like I'm helping you be a better lover. That's not how you do that. But you understand? Love the way that you love is a reflection of the character of the lover and not the one being loved. So consider what it must take for a holy, infinite God of the universe to love the human race. Have you seen us lately? We're a hot mess. And yet the lover of the the creator of the universe has still poured out his love upon us. God's love for us is unconditional. So follow the rationale. God has always loved you. Therefore, God's love for you is a gift, not something you earn. Therefore, God's love is equal. God's love is unconditional. God's love God doesn't love you more than he loves me. Acts chapter 10 verse 34 it says straight up, God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. So, God does not love you more than he loves an axe murderer. That's hard for us to swallow, because the truth be told, down deep in my soul, I think I'm kind of terrific, and God's lucky to have me. And so I look at an axe murderer and I think, oh, how could God ever love that guy? Oh, that guy's so bad. He's so rotten. The truth is, he loves us equally. Remember, God loved us always. So that means we didn't earn his love, which means he loved the axe murderer long before he became an axe murderer. (laughs) He loved you. That's good news, by the way. Because that means he loved you before you told your first lie. He loved you before you said your first cuss word. He loved you before you had your first dirty thought. God loves you equally the same. That's awesome. Ah, okay, I don't know. To me, it's pretty mind-blowing. Which also means that God's love is unfailing. Look at your failure. Does not change God's love for you. You know that day, that bad day you had, like that bad day. It was just a, bad, it was an off day. The day that you wished that never happened. That day, yeah, God loved you on that day. His love is unfailing. You go bad day. I had a bad decade. Yeah, you know that whole decade. God loved you that entire decade decade, three decades. God loved you all three decades. He did. His love is unfailing. Psalms chapter 33, verse 5. It says, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. My love fails every single day. It does. I am a lousy lover. I'm working on it. I'm growing, my love fails every day. God's love never fails. See, if you do something that disappoints me, then that's going to affect the way I love you. I'm just keeping it real and being honest. If you're a jerk to me, I'm not gonna love you very well. Let's Let's just put it out right on the table. And you know that you would treat me the same way. You know it, that's how we were, that's how we work. Human love fails and falls apart. Divine love never fails. And this is good to know for those of us who had a bad morning today. God's love never fails in your jerky moments, it never fails in your reprobate moments, it never fails in your faithless moments or your prideful moments or your foolish moments. God's love never fails. And since God's love never fails, God's love is better than you can possibly imagine. A love like this, you just don't even have words to put to it, honestly. And I'm doing a poor job at even trying to communicate this awesome love. We can't really fully understand it, but we can enjoy it. We can appreciate it, right? It's like... I don't have to understand something in order to enjoy it. A couple of times in my life, I've had molten chocolate lava cake. For the life of me, I don't know how they do that, but it is the most delicious thing on the planet. I don't know how you make chocolate cake so that it's still kind of soft in the middle and gooey. You know, like it's, it's like not, have you ever had one? I'm telling you. Are they not good? Can I get an amen for molten chocolate cake? It's like really the best thing ever. It's heaven in a cup. It's amazing. And it's gooey, and it's chocolate, and it's sweet, and it's warm, and you put ice cream on it, and I mean, it's just to die for. I don't understand how you can make a cake and have it be cooked and still soft in the middle, but I can appreciate it. And I don't have to understand... God's infinite love for me, but I sure can't enjoy it. That's why my prayer for us today is that we leave this place, maybe not with great notes, but we just say, Wow, God really does love me. It's amazing. If you walk out with that, I did my job. I'm thankful. Actually, the Holy Spirit did his job. I just got out of the way. It's a weird thing about preaching. The better I get out of the way, the better the job I do. It's really amazing. I'd just be good if I just didn't show up. <laughs> anyway, okay, so number five, the fifth thing is this. God's love is better than you can imagine. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Wanna, you know, we can't do a message on love and not at least talk about the love chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 6, it gives us God's love. This is God's love. God's love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Isn't that amazing? God does not dishonor you. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. God's love is better than we can imagine. Some of you are thinking, okay, Doug, you're going soft on sin, All this talk about God's love, it's just such a wonderful thing. Are are we watering down who God is? Are we watering that down? What about our sin? Um, The truth is, God does not love my sin. You're right. Very true. God always loves me, but God doesn't always love what I do. So God does not love our sin. But please take a look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8 and see what God in his love does with our sin. First of all, let me just tell you what sin is. Sin is doing wrong stuff. Sure, it is. But in the Bible, the most common word for sin is uh, the Greek word hamartia. And it literally means to miss the mark. So here's the bullseye, and the human race went zing, right? We just, we missed the mark, the mark. God says, this is where I want you to be, and we went off to the side. Sin is to miss the mark. So no, you're not an axe murderer, but can I ask you, are you everything? Do you know that you are, if you are everything that God created you to be? No. No. I mean, can I, I, mean, I love you, but you're not, nor am I. None of us is everything we were made to meet. Why? Because all of us have missed the mark. All of us. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us has. God set the standard. Here's the mark, and the entire human race missed it. And and what's worse is by missing that we've missed the destiny that God created us for. Do you remember the first verse in Ephesians chapter 1 that we read in love he predestined us to be adopted as his kids, right? Predestined. In other words, what's the mark? The mark is I want you to be my kids. I want a right relationship with you. That's the mark and we all went zing off the other way and so there's a brokenness in this relationship am i making sense and god loves us but there's a brokenness so what do we do about that brokenness what do we do about the fact that the human race is zinged off and missed the mark well there's nothing you and I do about it. God did something about it. Why? Because God loves us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love. In other words, it's a pretty special love, is it not? It's a pretty special love. Why? Because he didn't wait for you to clean up your act before he came looking for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is a hard one to wrap my brain around. Let me illustrate this for a second. See, I absolutely love my wife with all my heart, right? And let's say that... uh, You know, she needs a heart transplant or she's going to die. And the only person in the world who has a match is me. Would I be willing to give her my heart? You say, well, she's your wife. You love her, don't you? Wouldn't you? You know, can I tell you something? I would like to think that I would. But I'm, in all honesty, I would struggle. Can I just be real, right? I love you, sweetie, I do. But it'd be a tough decision. I mean, it's my, my, it's my heart we're talking about, right? And that's somebody that I love. That's somebody that I love. Now, let's say, it's, let's say there's somebody who has been cruel to me, someone who has mistreated me, someone who has maligned me, Someone who has backstabbed me, talked about me behind my back, and badmouthed me, and this person's undercut me at every turn, and they've, right? Let's say there's this, there's this person and they need a heart, and I'm the only match for that person. <laughs> no way in heck am I giving that person my heart. You can drop dead. Nice. Wasn't nice knowing you, right? I'll be planning their funeral. It's over. Sorry. Done. And yet, that's precisely what God did. Did he not? Let's look at the verse again. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's a love that you and I don't know anything about. I mean, I, there's no other comparison to it in our in our world there's just none and if you can begin to get your heart and your mind around that that God loved you like that while you were while, you know long before you were ever even wanting to follow him before you ever even were confessing a desire a belief in God God died for you God died for atheists who hate him Do you get that? Jesus died for atheists. Jesus, Jesus died for the worst of the worst of the worst. He died for them. And He died for you and me because He loves us. That's God's love. You know, it's one thing to die for a friend, it's another thing to die for an enemy. God died for His enemies. So, yes, sin is a big problem. And as we talk about God's love, we don't want to neglect the sin problem, but the good news is it's not bigger than God's love. Simply put, God's love conquers all. Except one thing, God's love doesn't conquer your will. God's love must be received by you in order to be enjoyed by you. John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, see, he loved and then he gave, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life, would not perish but have everlasting life. So in other words, Jesus' death on the cross is not just a blank check for all of humanity and now everybody gets in. That's not at all what it's saying. The condition, this is an if. This is a conditional promise. It it hinges on your action. You have to take an action to receive this, right? For those who believe in him, then whoever believes, those are the ones who will receive this wonderful love that he has for us. You know, I loved my wife before she loved me. I'm I'm giving Karis a lot of playtime today. But I saw this cute girl on World Missions in Review tour in my freshman year of college, and I just thought she was something else. But she didn't even know I existed. I mean, she in fact, I was just this lowly freshman, and she was a junior. And, you know, I didn't even... It, she had to go through two boyfriends before she even noticed I was alive. And that's not... You know, that's not saying anything against her, really. To her credit, you understand, I I wasn't exactly Rico Suave. So, you know, I I get that she didn't notice me for a while. But my point is simply that I had affection for her before she had affection for me. And it wasn't until she received my affection for her that we even could begin a relationship. See, love is kind of a two-way street that way, isn't it? in order it's got to be enjoyed by both people a one-sided love is kind of creepy it's like man you're stalking me right it's got to be reciprocated there's in order for it to be enjoyed by both parties so god has made the first move god says i've loved you first he declared He already did it. He declared His unfailing and forever love for you. And He's demonstrated His unfailing love for you by removing the barrier between you and Him. That barrier called your sin, my sin. He removed it from us so that now there's nothing standing in the way and now you know how much He's loved you because He's always loved you like this. See, it's there. And now the only thing that needs to happen to complete that is you need to receive it. It's the only thing that has to happen. And then you receive it, and then we begin this relationship, this forever relationship, with the God of the universe and a human being like yourself. So I ask you, will you? Will you receive this this morning? I want to invite you to pray. I want to, Karis, can you... Come and play. Just would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray together and process this together. I still have one more point. So I'm not done yet. But we want to. I want to pray right now. Um, You can come too, if you got Just bow your heads with me and let's uh, close your eyes. And I want to invite you to pray this with me. Okay? And and listen, I'm just going to prompt you. um, But you pray it. You put it in your own words. You say I want to begin a relationship with God. So let's just do that in prayer right now. So so we say God, thank you for loving us. Thank you God for loving me even when I wasn't very lovable. In my ugliest moments you've loved me, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place and for paying for my sins so that I could be made right with God. Thank you. That's the best gift I could ever receive. I ask you, Father, please forgive me of my sin and make me right with yourself you love me, you love me, God, how could I not love you in return? So I invite you now to take charge of this thing I call my life. You're in charge of it, God. You lead, and I'll follow And teach me what it is to be your child. In Jesus' name, amen.